listeners, and welcome to the Yi Medicine Show, a podcast for practitioners of acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and classical East Asian medicine. I am your host, Elise Tara, and my guest today is Jason Tarter. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on my show. <laughs> so I like to ask my guests to introduce themselves. So. Uh, my name is Jason Tarter. I've been uh, practicing traditional Chinese medicine for about uh, 10 years now. And I run a herbal dispensary as well uh, here in Toronto for other practitioners. And um, I also built specialized dispensary software for the industry that I, that I focus most of my time on now. I'm really excited to talk to you about that because I think that is so amazing that something like that now exists for practitioners. But before we do, <laughs> I wanted to ask you what got you into Chinese medicine in the first place. Um, that takes me back to a long time ago. Um, just like a lot of other practitioners, uh, my health brought me to Chinese medicine. Yeah. Um, the first time I got acupuncture, I was probably 19 or 20 years old. And I was in university and I went to a naturopathic doctor. Um, and he started giving me acupuncture and working on my diet and I can't remember if he did herbal medicine or not um, but the, the, you know the effects of the acupuncture and the changes in my health um, that that was the beginning um, the, the reason I got into it is because I had a lot of ear issues health problems skin issues growing up and I started reading about traditional Chinese medicine, probably a little bit after that initial um, acupuncture treatment, uh, you know, protocol with that natural path. What, um, what was it that made you think, wow, this is what I want to do for a living? Like, was there, was there another path you thought you were going to take? That, yeah, I was actually in marketing before this, <laughs> you know, which is kind of the complete opposite, like very high stress. Um, and... It was more my own health that brought me to acupuncture and just health as a whole. Um, it wasn't until about six or seven, maybe eight years later that I actually said, I want to study acupuncture. I, wanted, I want to know more about traditional Chinese medicine. And it came from, I did so much reading about it before I even stepped into the classroom yeah. that when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, like this, this so resonates with me. Like I understand this, you know? Yeah. Whereas, you know, other people that I knew, that I knew would be like, what are you talking about? Chinese medicine, you know, that's, you know. Um, you are hearing my cat, Pi, who has decided to get up from taking a nap and is chirping in the background there. Hello, Pi. Um, where did you go to school? What acupuncture school did you end up going to? I started at the uh, Toronto School of Traditional Chinese Medicine, mm -hmm. which is here in Toronto. And then I, uh, I switched over to the Institute of Traditional Medicine, which is also in downtown Toronto. Right. That's the one on Queen Street. Queen, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so tell me then about what made you decide to pursue herbs as opposed to like the acupuncture track? I actually, I actually do both. Yeah. Um, and I love both. And it's been... You know, you know, in a lot of places, you either pick acupuncture or you right. pick herbal medicine and you specialize it. And I tried that a number of times. I'm like, okay, just herbs now. And I just felt my patients weren't doing as well. Uh -huh. Or I just do, let's just do more acupuncture now. And, I, and then I was like, oh, but like, there's a good herbal formula for this, <laughs> right. you know? And, and so I always like to blend the two together. Right. Um, 
they're both kind of passions of mine. That's cool. Yeah. So what does your practice look like now? Right now, the other endeavors in my life, you know, right. still within the scope of Chinese medicine, have kind of taken over my life. And just recently, I have not been taking on any patients. Yeah. So uh-huh. you, you, you've built something called the herb dispenser, right? Yes. So tell me about that. That interests me. That was born a long time ago when I first started practicing. Yeah. Actually, I was practicing a lot of raw herbs. And I was a solo practitioner. And I just had like literally walls full of raw herbs. And I'm like, okay, these are going to expire. Or I, I get a patient and I need this one herb. And then I wouldn't need it again. And there were some other dispensaries, but they were far away or they were in Chinatown Mm -hmm. and there wasn't really anything where practitioners could share in one dispensary's inventory instead of everybody having their their own inventory. Mm -hmm. So I started on the quest of building software for that. Wow. And like to manage your herbs or to doc... To manage my herbs and then allow practitioners to order herbal formulas. Right. And I won't go into the full story, but I ended up hiring a company to do that. Um, And they ended up taking my idea and they actually developed the idea. Yeah. Sold the idea. It's still being used today, that software. I won't name what the software is. Oh, no. And they kind of have me on the sidelines and like... The version one of the program was just, and some of the practitioners who order for me will probably remember the version one of Herb Dispenser. And this is going back six years ago now. Yeah, uh, it was very basic, and I was, and they had they built out like a whole version two, maybe version three, and I was going to sign up with them to use that software. And I didn't own the software or the code or anything. And this now 2015, I decided to totally split off. And I basically started from scratch in 2015. And you went and built... And I built everything from scratch. Yeah. Everything from scratch. Um, So I've been doing that. And during that time, I was running the dispensary, filling orders for my patients, other patients. Right. Running to Canada Post and doing the inventory. And then also treating like, you know, 30, 50 patients a week on top of that. Yeah. So it was was good. I, I got a lot of experience um treating a lot of patients um and i was just like just trying to make this like everything work basically wow that's a lot of work it was a lot of work yeah still is and so is so the herb dispenser is an app for tablets phones yeah you can recently there's no actual app it's a browser-based system right now um, I do want to create a downloadable app, but you can access it on your phone or your tablet. Oh, yeah. um, and you What's use, the website? What's the address? Uh, www.herbdispenser.com. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was good that you got that. <laughs> like, what is it again? <laughs> but it became more than that. It became like the software became expensive because... <laughs> uh, technology development is very expensive um and so i needed a way to um bring in more money and develop the software Mm -hmm. so i started licensing the software out to other dispensaries so other dispensaries right now in the u.s and myself in canada and there's some overseas 
um, are now using the software to manage their herbal dispensary. Great. Yeah. So, and that's what's keeping me so busy right now. I'm, I'm basically just dealing with a lot of people and a lot of programmers and doing right. a lot of testing. And um, I got to the point where I'm like, I want to practice, but like this is taking up so much of my time. And this, excuse me, this software is benefiting so many people and, and making herbal medicine easier. Um, and so I, ha- I have an internal struggle right now between mm-hmm. uh, maintaining a practice, which I still plan on doing. I still want to practice and, and treat patients. I'm just, you know, taking a small break right now. Mm-hmm. And between running the software and running it well, and so I'm at this point now where, you know, there's a struggle inside of me and I'm yeah. trying to figure out a lot. Because there's only one of you and there's only one a million of me. things to do. There's a million things to do. Do you have any employees or staff? Yes. Yeah, so I have Amanda who helps me fulfill orders right. for her dispenser. And then I have three programmers and other people that help me. Nice. Yeah. How big is your um, warehouse, your herbal... Not a lot large. I, I stopped uh, dispensing raw herbs. Okay. And I'm only dispensing granules right. and tinctures. So when we talk about herbs, one of the interesting things that people always ask me about is how do we um, uh, certify quality? Because the you know the food and drug ministry doesn't over has no oversight on Chinese medicine products, and so. They don't have an oversight on Chinese medicine products that we dispense to our patients. Right. But if you try to put something in a retail store, yeah, then you you have problems. If you know, um, I've I've chosen first of all the granule manufacturers. There's really not that many. Yeah. And the ones that are doing it, I think, are doing it across the board quite properly. I mean, um, I don't get all the test analysis for every lot number, um, but. You know, supposedly they're doing lot number testing right. and they're looking for hard, um, sorry, pesticides and, and all kinds of things like that. Right. They check uh, the quality control. Yeah. And they're made in GMP facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've chosen the largest granule manufacturer, which is Tianjiang. Um, and they're located where? In Tianjiang, China. Of <laughs> 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 I'm probably pronouncing that horribly, but... Uh, they're the largest from what I know. And then, uh, 999 group is another one, mm-hmm. um, just so I can have more selection because. Right. Yeah. And so you have to deal with customs. I don't, I buy from importers here. Okay. Yeah. That makes it easier. You know, a lot easier. I mean, there may be ways of making a little bit more, but the headache of importing yeah. and paperwork and... I'm actually thinking of getting into that because the the needles that I've been using for the last decade or so um, are not available in Canada. I was using them down in Arizona and I really like those needles. Like, I really like those needles. So I'm half considering figuring out a way to import them myself. Yeah. But I remember when I had, I used to have a shop in um, a retail store in Montreal when I was younger. And man, dealing with Canada Customs was such a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I wanted, if I like those needles enough that I want to deal with it. When I was doing raw herbs, I imported a herb cooking machine. So I still have, 
excuse me, I still have the herb cookie and the paperwork necessary to import that right. machine. And then I got to the, and it's huge, right? I had to get hire people in trucks to bring it to me <laughs> and everything. It came in a, in a huge, huge box. And there was a lot of paperwork and checks and it was, yeah, it was difficult. And that's just one shipment. I could, with the herbs, they're very, or, and even needles, they're mm-hmm. very cautious. Oh yeah. Cause it's medical and yeah, herbal medicine. Have you ever had a shipment turned away? Cause I'm not importing. It's, it's not it's, a problem. It's not a problem for me. Right. But I speak to people who do import it and they do have problems. How hard is it in Canada to get all the formulas that are available? Like, um, being new here, um, all I remember when there was some issue at one point that they were not allowing uh, Chinese medicine practitioners to formulate new formulas, that you were only allowed to use old formulas. I haven't heard anything like that. Because with our software, they're all single herbs, and then the practitioners kind of do whatever Uh, they want. And the, all the products that we dispense all have NPN numbers okay. as well. Um, so I could technically take those formulas or single herbs and sell them to the general public, right. which I don't do. Um, but you, one could. Right. You, know, you could take goji berry, you know, you could sell it. Right. You know, there'd probably be very little harm in doing that. But um, I find that compared to the U.S., we're very relaxed here. Oh, good. We can get most, and there's there's site certificates for certain herbs that um, that require it, and they all have that, um, just so we can maintain that we're not wiping out the population of that herb. Right. Um, but I find that you can get most things here that in the states you'd have a problem. Maybe it was around the time I was practicing in Ottawa because uh, one of the companies I used to order patents from, uh, Health Concerns found that importing herbs to Canada, they were getting things sent back and they just decided it was too... They are manufacturing one formula in mass and putting into a capsule and kind of standardizing it. Okay. And so it's kind of out of the practitioner-patient relationship at that point. Right, and there, there's more oversight when it comes to... And they're trying to get it over the border. Yeah. Right. So they have this packaged medicine from a foreign country, you know, so to speak, coming over our border. What's in it has to be tested now, as opposed to we're bringing all these single herbs in all the paperwork's there. You know, it hasn't been formulated into something. Yeah. So that's I think the probably the worry comes from. And I think I know Blue Poppy had the same thing. So Blue Poppy you can't get in Canada anymore? I wouldn't say that. I don't carry it specifically. But I know, at least with some of their formulations, or maybe they made changes since then, that there was problems at one point, and people were complaining. What do you love the most about working in with your herbal dispensary? To be honest with you, when my kids are sick, (laughs) I can just go there. I can be like, I have everything I need. You have the biggest medicine chest in the world. (laughs) I do. And like every time new practitioners come on, they're ordering different herbs. So it kind of expands in certain ways. Or maybe we'd only use 100 grams of that herb all month. And now someone new has come and we have a a lot of it. So we have a lot. I have a lot. I have probably around, I don't know, more than 350 granules. Nice. Single granules. So I like that. I mean, other than my kids, um, I like to help. I like helping practitioners. Yeah. Um, because it takes a lot of time and a lot of space 
in your clinic mm-hmm. you, and people don't realize how much it actually costs to run a dispensary in your clinic and so I like helping out other practitioners so they can just submit their for the formula they don't have to think about it we just drop ship it to the patient mm-hmm. or to their you know wherever they want basically um, and I feel like before you know if, you know eight years of practicing or whatever it was I was helping a lot of patients and I miss that and it made me feel really good. I, I really like helping people. I mean, money, we need, all need to make money, money aside. Right. I, I, I do really like when someone is in a lot of pain and they get up from the table and they're not in a lot of pain anymore. Sure, sure. But I feel like just like teaching students in school, you're going to affect that all of their patients combined, right? When you inspire someone, you teach your knowledge to them. Same thing with, you know, supplementary services within the, you know, the herbalist or the TCM community, mm-hmm. um, providing service to other practitioners so I can help them, therefore help their patients. And that's going to, you know, what, what do you hear? What do you hear the most from new practitioners in terms of the difficulties of doing herbal yeah, practice? None of, them want, none of them want their own herbal dispensary. It's like, thousands and thousands of dollars to set up right because you have to keep stock yeah you have to have more than what you what you need almost right and if you don't then you're out of it and then your patient suffers because you don't have that herb and they should have that herb right and and, you know so and some of them are like you're going to use if it's granules you're going to use 10 grams of it you know and you have to buy 100 grams or more um but for for new practitioners they're more comfortable with the technology. Yeah. And they know that it's going to be easier like that. Whereas if you've been practicing with your own herbs in your own practice for 20, 25 years or more, that's what you're used to. Yeah. And that's okay too. You, you know, I always think there's going to be people that like to hold the medicine. Yeah. You know, and they're not going to use a third party service. And, that, and that's okay. Uh, and we need those people because um, we need to learn new things. It can't just be one entity yeah. or a couple entities. But um, what were people doing before you came onto the scene? Were they like just giving prescriptions to their patients and sending them to Chinatown and like losing out on the? Maybe for raw herbs, they were probably sending them to, for, to Chinatown, um, or they were doing it themselves. Or there's Bima. Um, Bima? Bima's in Vancouver. They're another uh, granule dispensary. Okay. So a lot of the people were probably, um, and probably still are, you know, shipping them over from Vancouver. Um, And then there's other types of herbal medicine as well, right? So there's people making tinctures, and there's other um, tincture pharmacies, herbal pharmacies in Toronto as well. Oh, okay. Um, But not so many granule ones. The... The only one that I know of tincture-wise is Khan Herbs. Khan is doing Chinese herbs. There's also people doing Western herbs here okay. as well. Khan does pre-made formulas, as far as I know, Yeah. as opposed to the single herbs and combining them. So you're, I wouldn't say stuck with their formulas, but those More are More form- limited. Yeah, or you can combine their formulas together right. as well. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of information. Yeah, it's like, wow, it's it's really great that this kind of service exists for practitioners here, you know, because I know when I started out, my um, my 
a business partner when I had my practice in Ottawa, he did raw herbs. And it was very frustrating for him just trying to get them. I mean, first of all, we were in Ottawa, so we didn't have the same kind of access to um, Chinese herbal pharmacies like like we do in Toronto or the GTA. Mm -hmm. And um, and I know he found it very frustrating to get the herbs to his patients, uh, you know, in a reasonable time. So, Or you're like spending half your time weighing herbs and you'd rather just be seeing patients. Right. Right? Because you just want them to have the herbs. You don't ha actually have to be the one doing that. It's like every doctor formulating, you know, compounding pharmacy, you know, in their practice. Right. As opposed to saying, Here, here's Sending your prescription. Yeah, exactly. Hey, here, go. Yeah. Fill it, you know. So if somebody wants to, um, if like there's a new practitioner and they want to take advantage of your services, how would they do that? They'd go to your website and create an account? Yeah, or? they just go to the website, create an account, and then we have to approve the account. So we only allow practitioners to order. Okay, so you don't like distribute direct to the public kind of thing? No. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> I, I do one day want to, like, if I had an online store, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, with, like, products specific for patients that aren't, you know. Or, right. You know, specific custom formulas. Right. Um, that would be good, but it's not in my kind of thought process right now. Right. Um, just because it's, like, more work. <laughs> What's the most challenging aspect of it for you? The dispensing or the software? Yes. The software is, <laughs> software is definitely much harder. Because just because you have to manage the software? The Yes. Like it's on like HIPAA servers. Oh, it's, cool. It's a lot of code and a lot of variables and a lot of needs and a lot of wants. Yeah. There's a lot of function. There's just like the way people construct a formula. It's different from practitioner to practitioner. Something per bag, something per day. Some, right. some are using the ratio. Some are not using the ratio. Some are doing it by proportion. You know. And so you have to like interpret all the different. So I have measurements. To, so I've had to develop the functionality to satisfy everyone. Yeah. So they could build the formula the way they want to. And then there's the challenges of teaching people how to use the system. Yeah. Because some people aren't, you know, very bright, but they're just not good with computer technology sometimes right. the software is by far the hardest thing i'm like to be honest at the point now where herb dispenser probably probably needs new blood yeah definitely um and i don't know how that's gonna look and herb dispenser's not going anywhere but it probably needs someone else to take it over in the near future you know someone who has one enough knowledge like the technological knowledge not the technology part the dispensing so taking over yeah. the dispensing, I've been doing it since about 2012 now. Yeah. And the software is actually taking so much of my time that I don't even have enough time to put into Herb Dispenser. Yeah. And I know Herb Dispenser could be so much more than it is. And it's not a Herb Dispenser. It's the concept of a dispensary dispensing for many different practitioners. Where do you see it going? Like, where? what do you want to see it ideally become? I want my software to be used in every single city, in, at least in Canada and in the States. You yeah. Know? At least there should be one in every state, at least. I mean, some states are larger than other states. 
um, population wise and stuff but there could be dispensaries everywhere so they were always kind of close to you right and I wouldn't necessarily say there'll be as many dispensaries as say pharmacies because they're kind of like everywhere right but they sh- there should be a lot more of them and right now they're either far and few in between that are drop shipping um, or you go to Chinatown. Right. And that's not helpful for people practicing in rural and suburban areas. No, and it's just like we want our we want it to be the forefront. We want people to think Chinese medicine when I'm sick yeah. or when I have a problem, especially sore throats. Like, give me a sore throat. Like, I, <laughs> I'll get rid of your sore throat. You know what I mean? You know? Right. Um, but it, it just needs to be more in society like so i hope i hope my software is used to help a lot more dispensaries in the future yeah and i think as more of the younger generation starts to graduate yeah that they're going to adopt the technology faster than the older generation yeah who are used to doing it more manually right You're listening to The Yee Medicine Show with Elise Tara and guest Jason Tarter. We're taking a short break to announce a sample of some upcoming workshops and seminars. Jingfang Classical Formulas with Dr. Suzanne Robidoux. This four-day comprehensive course introduces students to the classical approach of Jingfang, beginning with the six syndromes diagnosis methods, March 22nd to 24th at the Ontario College of Traditional Chinese Medicine, Toronto campus, octcm.com for details. Introduction to Chinese Language for Registered Acupuncturists and RTCMPs. This course will teach common characters and radicals that show up in Chinese medicine and discuss why they are used. April 8th at the Acupuncture and Integrative Medicine Academy, aim-academy.ca for details. Integrated Gynecology, a 12-week course beginning April 13th with Yusheng Wang at the Canadian Gynecology Institute of Chinese Medicine, cgicm.ca for details. Heat-sensitive moxibustion level 1 certification. This three-day comprehensive seminar introduces students to the heat-sensitive moxibustion system, its unique approach to treatment techniques and protocols that integrate with other aspects of TCM. April 20th to 22nd, presented by the SNAPTCM at Eight Branches Academy of Eastern Medicine, eightbranches.ca, that's E-I-G-H-T branches.ca. CEU listings are provided by the eMedicine Show as a free service to the community. If you or your college has a seminar or workshop of interest to RX and RTCMPs, please send the information to me, elisetera at gmail.com. That's E-L-Y-S-E-T-E-R-A at gmail.com. Do you have a job posting or opening at your clinic or other information that you'd like to get out to practitioners? Please send me an email with the details and I'll help you get the word out. And now let's get back to our conversation with Jason Tarter. Do you have any um, practice stories that you want to share or stories from your uh, experience as a dispenser? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know if I have stories from dispensing. It's kind of dry. The order comes in. <laughs> we fulfill it. We print a label. Oh, speaking of dispensaries, just because I used that word. It's a problem. You, is it? Oh, it's just, do you know, I actually have on my answering machine right now, we do not sell cannabis products. Like, I don't have any. And I named the company before everything was kind of becoming legal here in right. Canada. And I... I Especially before the legalization, I, I got like calls and calls and calls. I bet. It was quite problematic, actually. Right. Because I don't even want to pick up my phone anymore. <laughs> and then people would get mad at me. You know, like, what? The what name you- of your company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that sort of settled down a little bit since legalization? It has a little bit. I still get calls on a weekly basis for yeah. it. Um even they just don't see my website or read anything they just see the name so <laughs> you saw anything <laughs> some people actually it's uh, more of a security concern they show up in my office oh wow yeah and they just like we open now we always lock the door yeah because people would just walk in and it was like kind of sketchy yeah um but yeah so that has been problematic <laughs> All right, back to my question about your stories. I, I'd be a millionaire if I was selling <laughs> cannabis right now, but I'd probably, I, I want to sleep with two eyes closed at night. Yeah, right. And, yeah. you know, I think we have to be buddies with uh, Doug Ford if we want to be able to do that anyway. Um, what do you think the future of Chinese medicine in Canada looks like? Where do you see our profession heading? Acupuncture, I think a lot more physiotherapists are going to be doing acupuncture. Like our kind of acupuncture or their dry needling kind? I don't know. There's a, there's definitely a distinction between our, you know, TCM or Chinese medicine acupuncture and there. But when you see more acupuncture being done, I think they're stronger and they're going to get more of the positions, mm-hmm. especially in the hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. So when and then when people learn about acupuncture, they're going to be learning about uh, the non-TCM acupuncture. At the same time, there's nothing better than TCM acupuncture. Yeah. Uh, however you practice it, and because of the holistic point and everything we've learned, um, I think that more and more people are going to wake up as well to the fact that. TCM is amazing as well. Yeah. And I, you, I, I mean, you teach, right? I don't know if you've seen an influx in students, but it just seems like there's still a lot of TCM students graduating. Oh, yeah. And the industry is just getting larger and larger. Well, when you think of how many schools there are in Toronto that just just in Toronto alone that are have TCM programs, right? And the number of students coming out every year. I mean, I just wrote the exams, and there were well over 100 people in the room with me, and that was just the acupuncture exam. I think right now in rural areas, um, there's not as much access to TCM, Mm -hmm. and I think more people are going to graduate and move towards those areas because they're also cheaper cheaper cost of living there. I think I would like to see larger... Um, clinics be established. I find everyone's very small in yeah. their own pockets, and I would like to see like thirty acupuncturists in one setting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. I don't, I don't see a lot of that. That I think that's the only way that we can sustain ourselves as a pro, pro, uh, profession, actually. Yeah. Because if we're not hiring 
practitioners out of school, then everyone has to invest in starting yeah. a practice. And and not everyone, as you know, is here to they don't understand the money aspect and that's that's perfectly fine yeah but we need people who do and we need it to be organized and it can't be organized in a way that is just community acupuncture yeah because you know less expensive or faster treatments although any acupuncture is better than no acupuncture there's nothing like getting sitting down with one-on-one with someone having a diagnosis, you know, or a team of people yeah. who are looking after you as opposed to um, kind of just going to these, you know, single clinics um, where everyone's kind of separated. Yeah. And I, I say single clinics, there could be four or five practitioner in one clinic, but it's still, everything is so disjointed. Well, I find that in those clinics, it's those four or five practitioners are running their own practices. They are. Right? right, they're not running a single practice united together and integrated. I believe some are, but you, for the most part, I think you're yeah. right. It's like you're still like you're on your own, and even when you would look for a place to rent, they'd be like a split, and we right. want and we want someone you know who has a lot of ambition to build their practice and bring, basically bring in customers so right. we don't have to. Uh, I would like to see the end of that. Um, so much like there's just a lot of hole in the wall acupuncture clinics. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, I think, up to par. Yeah. Which, where I would like to see it. I know my clinic in Arizona, the one that I left to move, that when I moved here, we had six treatment rooms, a consultation room, and a fitness room. Nice. And I had seven staff. And I spent three years trying to hire, hire on salary a practitioner. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying about. Um, we need to get more practitioners into rural areas, into communities that are underserved. But, but the problem I found was that even though I was only two and a half hours from Phoenix and two and a half hours from San Diego, so it's like a day trip to real to big cities, I couldn't find anyone willing to come out to Yuma. Mm-hmm. Even though I was giving them a salary that they would never get running their own practice or starting up their own practice. And I know that this is a common problem in all healthcare uh, professions. Like we had uh, one of the state of the art hospitals in my town and they were constantly having trouble filling positions, professional positions, because people just don't want to leave the cities. Mm -hmm. So how do we get people out there? Um, I think it's happening. I don't know what it's like around Arizona. I think it's happening here now. I think people are expanding out more. Um, and how many years ago was that? That was two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah, I moved here two years ago. Yeah. Uh, how's Yuma? How's Yuma? Well, that's another story. But like I've I said, to Yuma. <laughs> well, it's it's a city of about eighty thousand, so it it could easily support a dozen practitioners, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the only one. I couldn't. Well, there was somebody else practicing part time. But I could not, for the life of me, get somebody to come out. Do you think that would be the same here if you offered a seventy-five or a hundred thousand dollars salary? Yeah, to I, I fear that it would be. Like I'm, I'm hoping not because, like you said, I mean that model of having like a large clinic where people are working together and working with each other for the benefits of their patients just is such a a, a sustainable model in my mind. And I don't think people realize how much 
gross revenue you need to do to bring home $100,000 for yourself yeah. or $75,000 for yourself yeah. in this profession. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I started teaching this practice management class at Eight Branches, the first thing I had them do was do a personal budget, right? How much do you need to live from month to month? Where you plan on living when you graduate? And they're like, why do I have to do this? And I'm like, because you need to know how much you need to be earning. Right. Because otherwise, how can you manage your practice if you don't understand, at the very least, what you need to sustain your practice and sustain your the lifestyle that you want to have? I, I know way too many practitioners who are barely paying their rent, and it breaks my heart. I know. And when you think about it, there's billions of people on the planet, not in Canada, but you only need about 100 of them to visit you every week. Right. You know, yep. like, and you're doing very well. Just 100 people. <laughs> <laughs> What, what are you passionate about, Jason, outside of acupuncture? What's, what's important to you in your life? Uh, my kids. Yeah. I have, I have two kids. They're six and three. Yeah. So over, over this whole time, I've, we've been raising the two kids, which yeah. is added on to everything. <laughs> Don't even ask. Um, so they mostly consume my, my life right now. Yeah. Um, other than Chinese medicine and now all the software development, uh, I'm, I'm pretty full. I, I I, I like business. Yeah. I've always liked business. Is that why you wanted to originally to go into marketing? Was that business related? It was business related. Yeah. And then I, I, I needed more, I needed more than that basically. And, uh, health and Chinese medicine was at the forefront. Yeah. So I, I fell in love with Chinese medicine. It, it actually changed my life learning Chinese medicine, which I think everyone who goes through that program, yeah. just the way you think about nature about people interactions like everything um it's been quite profound so those are the the main things in my life right now yeah yeah with the kids at the top <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to leave our listeners with um yeah like i mean i just you know anyone who does chinese medicine i just have a lot of respect for for, the, for them and i i want um I want the whole industry to work closer together, whatever country. And so my goal is actually to bridge everybody together. Yeah. And I'm going to do that through software. Um, and I think, you know, so information technology. And it's really going to connect us. And I'm not even talking about the practitioners in Toronto. I'm talking about worldwide. Nice. You know what I mean? And I want Why to, go small? <laughs> why go small? Like, actually, I've made connections with people in Australia and Europe. I have dispensaries in the Netherlands and the US and uh, some places are illegal with the herbs. And yeah. I'm going to develop technologies for just accus. I just want to bridge everyone together so we can work better together. Um, and I hope that everyone jumps on board with that, um, whether through me or through other people. And I know other people are doing stuff. And I think research is going to be a really important aspect in the future as well. Uh, researching the herbs, how they interact, yeah. uh, building uh, products. And that's how the industry is going to make money, by making products from Chinese herbs and yeah. selling them in the, in the mass. And I want um, our industry to really excel. And for us to do that, um, we definitely need to work together. Jason Tarter, thank you for joining me on the Yee Medicine Show. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed the Yee Medicine Show and would like to continue to see content relevant to the profession like this episode, please consider supporting me on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Elise Tara. 
Membership comes with benefits, like being listed on my page as an underwriter, having your name or clinic mentioned on the episode as a supporter, and getting access to members-only bonus content. This month, members have access to an exclusive bonus material from this podcast that didn't make it into the show. It continues my conversation with Jason Tarter, where we talk about how to overcome difficulties with patient compliance, ways to communicate effectively with patients about herbs and other practice management tips. Membership begins only at $2 a month at patreon.com slash For this episode, my undying thanks goes to Zoe Jamelli, Michael John Derbecker, Scott Alex, and Stephanie Brown. You've been listening to The Ye Medicine Show, conceptualized, produced, and edited by me, Elise Tara, with music, The Quiet Solitude by Melody Loops. This has been a Pupper Dog production.